Welcome back, beautiful people. This is Dr. Lakey, and this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. Welcome to our show. And I wanted to thank all of the users, and listeners, subscribers, um, and just because for all the feedback that we've gotten, this is really where we come up with some of the ideas for these podcasts. And I can tell you from myself, I've learned so much over the depth and breadth of different things to improve longevity. Um, and so keep, keep those uh, emails coming. We love the feedback. Um, today we've got something you know special for you. I think when we talk about uh, living a long and healthy life, you know, I think it's something that most of us are trying to achieve. Uh, but the key to being able to live that long and healthy life, you know, we've talked about gut health, we've talked about physical health, but we haven't talked about brain health. And I think that this is something that's going to be extremely important. So obviously, protecting and preserving brain function uh, leads to a better quality of longevity. So it doesn't matter if we move the number, uh, move the needle up, we have to have a functional and enjoyable longevity. So, um, you know, with new technologies emerging, um, we thought that it'd be a great idea to bring an expert, especially in the field of bioelectric medicine. It's become a, a very popular type of alternative treatment. I've heard uh, numerous success stories. And so to shed light on this important subject, uh, we brought on an expert who has firsthand experience in bioelectric medicine and developing new technology in this space. Joining us today is Guy Odishaw, founder of the Bhakti Wellness Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a fellow Midwesterner and co-founder of Cerebral Fit Brain Training. Um, combining extensive experience in supporting optimal brain health with cutting edge technologies, Odishaw is working hard to support patients in maintaining the health of their brain and preventing memory loss. Which we all need. Yes. Listen, <laughs> Um, hey, Guy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, I know that I'm excited to listen about this type of therapy. And uh, we had briefly talked about it prior. You know, I know cursory information about it. But again, I think I would love to learn more. So maybe you can kind of bring us into the history of, you know, how you came upon this. I know you've got years, over two decades, almost three decades of experience um, and, and really describe your philosophy on bioelectric medicine. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to a conversation. Um, so, uh, yeah, a little bit about my background. I've been practicing for about 35 years. Most of my time is kind of on the orthopedic side. Um, <clears throat> introduction to bioelectric medicine actually happened within my own clinic, where one of my providers started to offer uh, bioelectric medicine aesthetics in the clinic. And I was just seeing the transformation that was happening as people would come and go from his room. And I actually stopped one of the, the ladies, as, you know, as she was walking through the waiting room and apologized for my rudeness. But I said, I just have to ask, I saw you when you went in and I'm seeing when you come out and the tra transformation is, I mean, it's, it's just, you've stopped me in my tracks. Tell me more. And she told me her story of how she went from doing kind of standard aesthetics, uh, Botox, fill, things of that nature. She discovered uh, microcurrent facials, you know, so a part of bioelectric medicine, and now that's all she does. And, and that was really my transition point, was seeing it in my own clinic, the transformation, and here in aesthetics. 
But then shortly after that, I had a provider come in who did um, bioelectric medicine more on the orthopedic side. And similarly, I just watched these amazing transformations taking place. And so I, I went to her and said, I need to know what you're doing. And she was very open. She you know, said, hey, if you want to kind of apprentice with me, I'm happy to train you. And that was my introduction to it. You know, first just seeing what looked like miracles to me and and unexplainable from my, at that point, probably 20 years of experience on the orthopedic side, things that shouldn't be happening were happening on a daily basis. What were you seeing that was such, you know, again, obviously as a practitioner, you know, every now and then we see certain things as well where we say, my gosh, how does that happen? But it does. And then you look into some of the science behind it. What, what were you seeing? So for all the listeners and viewers out there uh, that really changed your uh, perspective. So it would be somebody might come in uh, on, with a walker. You know, like one, one of my, you know, just, just kind of just enduring memories is this older gentleman coming in in a walker, just shuffling, 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 really, you know, pained, makes it to the treatment room. Um, when I see him walk out, his son is carrying his walker and he's just walking. Amazing. And 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 I, I'm like, that, like that doesn't happen. You don't see that happen in a clinic where somebody comes in like that. Or you know, a gentleman who came in on crutches. He'd had a back surgery go bad. He had just horrible back pain and sciatic pain, such that he, he couldn't walk without the crutches. He walked out without his crutches. Um, uh, a, a gentleman who now this was a longer um, story, but still. He was due to to have his foot amputated because of um, uh, diabetes, and he okay. he literally had and we, we've got a video of this. He literally had the dotted lines because his surgery was supposed to be the next day, and and he he just you know kind of last minute he's like I don't want to lose my foot I don't want to lose my foot. So the clinician who trained me, Suzanne, he reached out to Suzanne and said, Suzanne, they're going to take my foot. Can you help me? And she said, come on in. She treated him probably 12 hours a day for three days. And in, in the, the images, you see his foot go from this big red swollen balloon where you can hardly make out toes to a normal foot. And, and, and you know, I met him uh, years after this process and he still had his foot and he was you know, healthy, uh, uh, you know, diabetic managing his diabetes, but, but to see in a course of three days, uh, th this foot that looked unsavable uh, back to a normal foot and, and then have it go on. And since then I've treated a number of diabetics who, who, sh you know, were online for an amputation and we've been able to save the um, the digit or the appendage or you know it, it, it and and that's amazing you know when you when you think about the physiologic processes necessary for that to happen it shows you how powerful the brain can be and um, you know it, it's altering blood flow it's changing nerve pathways um, and allowing for reparative action for tissue and so. You know, I, I think that uh, that's amazing. For So for those of you who either in this situation or they know someone, um, these can be viable alternative options as opposed to traditional standard surgical therapy. And so, you know, it's just something to, to throw out there. Um, 
And for those of us that don't really understand or never heard of this mm -hmm. before, okay, um, uh, what is it exactly, when you say bioelectric medicine, um, and when you talk about these people that came in and got treated, and not, I'm not gonna talk about the aesthetic side, um, what is it exactly that you're talking about so people that are listening can fully understand? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the to the detail because it's a it's a big it's a big term. It's an umbrella term that encompasses a lot and 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 relatively small segment of of that umbrella is on a a, a patient client consumer level. Uh, a good amount of it is actually you know happening in the research labs, but there there is a consumer healthcare consumer facing component of bioelectric medicine that is available. But we had, we had talked at the beginning here about taking a quick peek at a video. And so let's do that now to just set one of the, the principles um, that we're going for. So uh, I'm just going to do a screen share. So obviously for people who are watching this on video, you're going to get to see this. If you're just listening to the audio, I will describe. So what you're about to see are two frog embryos. And there's one kind of in the lower left corner, it's a little brighter. So that's the one I'm gonna invite you to focus on. And you're gonna see, and well, it's a short video about 10 seconds. So I'll play it a couple of times so you can take it in. But what you're going to see is what looks like the formation of a face. So you see the midline forming right there. You see um, the eyes will come in right there, the mouth, the nose, it'll turn. So we'll pick up the other eye and the gill arch, right? So we'll just go back mm -hmm. and play that again. And so, again, so what we're seeing is what looks like a, a, a face, but but the, here's the thing to know. This is the amazing part of this video, is that's not anatomy. That is a electromagnetic field forming before the cells migrate to form that structure. So we're seeing uh, calcium channel uh, scanning, right? So we're looking at electrical activity of the template for where the face will be in a few days after the cells migrate there and they begin to differentiate. So what this is, this pattern here that looks like anatomy, that is actually information, right? So that is information in the electromagnetic field that is going to tell the stem cell that is just a you know, a pure, pure potent cell to become an eye cell. And then specifically within that, is it going to be a lens, or, you know, cell or what, what part of it? And so that, that right there, what we see is a big breakthrough that happened maybe now, maybe 12 years ago, where they were able to do this calcium um, uh, ion channel uh, scanning so that we could see the bioelectric activity before it becomes physiology. Now, for those of us in the West, this is a just a mind-bending concept. We just we 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 only know anatomy, right? Like bodies are anatomy. There's parts. We know the end result, but getting there is the you know. It's so interesting. I just recently saw a video on a human embryo. That was uh, it. It showed at conception, and there was this bright, you know, electric energy, and they thought it was a zinc burst or something like that. Um, but I thought it was so interesting. For those of you who believe in a higher power, that was let there be light, um, and it, and it was at the moment of of conception. It was such an interesting video. 
But now with the technology we have to actually view these things, electron microscopes and things like that, it, now we can see this. So you're right. We're taught, especially as physicians, mm -hmm. the end point. You know, we, we know physiology and we know, you know, what happens once the cells start dividing. But it's really difficult to say how they get there. And so this is such an interesting concept. Yes. Yeah. So in the kind of uh, Eastern traditions, let's say, to just be generic about it, um, probably good enough for today's conversation. So we talk about Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, Tibetan medicine. Uh, they have talked for millennia about this idea of an energy field, chi, prana, that that comes before whatever physical activity we in the West are mapping and our medicine is based on. And, and you know, for the most part here in the West, we still just kind of roll our eyes and just like, sure, it's metaphoric. It's, you know, it's poetic. Um, sure, acupuncture does something, but it's probably just stimulating, um, you know, endorphins and inflammatory responses. But now we're, Western science is showing that, no, there is indeed this electrical, this energetic template before there is anything that we could look at with three-dimensional anatomy and, and think of as physiology. And more so what they've done, and this is primarily what I'm going to talk about now is the work of Michael Levin at Tufts University. So Michael Levin is probably one of the leaders in bioelectric medicine. What he's figured out how to do is how to leverage that bioelectric field to get it to do the things that he wants it to do. So we could say roughly that's what's happening in medical qigong or in Chinese medicine. They're manipulating the energetic field to get an outcome at the level of, of uh, biology, anatomy, physiology. Right. Mm -hmm. So what but but what Michael Levin has done is taken it to a level that the traditional medicine hasn't done in any documented history. Um, and that is so one of his biggest things is say to be able to take something like a frog that doesn't regenerate. Right? We all know salamanders will regenerate certain parts, but frogs do not. He's been able to turn on the bioelectric subroutine for grow a leg. And so he can. Amputate well, a leg. I recently did see this. Uh, that's amazing. I recently did read that article, um, you, you know, where we're starting to look at, um, you know, potentially creating a mammalian leg based off of this technology. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. And then if we, we part of today's conversation um, is going to be about the brain. So one of the things he's been able to show, and this is documented with MRI imaging, and, and you can go on YouTube and you can see this, where they'll take a, a frog, they'll introduce a, a teratogen, so something that creates a, a developmental, uh, in a sense, birth defect. The, the frog brain doesn't develop properly. The frog is alive, but is, a, is, is essentially brain dead, right? Just, it's a vegetable, right? But it's alive, can't do anything, no behavior. But then with using bioelectric medicine to activate the subroutine of grow a brain here, he can cause that frog to regenerate its brain. And then that frog goes on to be a normal, healthy, typical frog with a typical frog IQ that can be trained and learn and live a life. So in a living animal, he was able to regenerate the brain 
back to what it should have been based on its original uh, biological genetic template for a brain, despite the fact that the the genetic mutation that they had introduced was still there. So even in the presence of the notch gene causing the 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 defect, it still developed a normal brain and went on to function normally. So yeah, this insane. idea of working on an epigenetic level, so not working on the hardware, but working on the software, that's bioelectric medicine. How do you how do you generally introduce bioelectric medicine then? If let's say for the average person coming in and they're listening right now or or viewing this and they're saying, okay, we understand that there's some capabilities here um, for people who have uh, CRPS, which is a chronic regional pain syndrome, or someone who's got you know chronic issues or something like that, and they say we want to look into bioelectric medicine, but what does it entail? Am I going to be hooked up to you know, two electrodes and we turn on the electricity or, you know, how is this introduced? Sure. Yeah. So um, broad range of devices, tools, modalities. I'll talk a little bit about specifically what we use within okay. my clinic with the, with the multiple clinics. Um, so my kind of probably most prevalent form is microcurrent therapy. And, and within the world of microcurrent therapy, specifically um, frequency-specific microcurrent therapy. So it's a it's a paradigm, it's a school of thought within the, the again, a big umbrella of microcurrent therapy. So I use a lot of microcurrent therapy. I use a lot of light therapy, primarily red and near-infrared. The effects of those two are the same. So this is kind of into the area of optogenetics, although not fully and technically, but it's becoming a more genericized term for any time you're using light to affect uh, cells. So optogenetics, um, pulse magnetic uh, therapy. Um, uh, let's see. So we got electricity, light, magnetism. Those are probably the three primary tools that are ways of delivering that I use in the clinic. Um, and so what we're doing is using one of those modalities to affect the 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 electrical gradient at the cellular or tissue level. So we're all familiar with uh, pharmaceutical medicine. Mm -hmm. And we could say pharmaceutical medicine is affecting the chemical gradient at the cell and tissue level. We're, most of us are familiar these days with the idea of supplements and what are called nutraceuticals. So nutraceuticals are also mostly affecting the chemical side of the chemical electric um, spectrum, the chemical side, bioelectric medicine is really the first thing that comes in and says, it's going to focus on the electrical side of the chemical electrical equation that drives all of human physiology, right? We're chemical electric beings. We're more than that. We have souls. But <laughs> in this sense, we're just going to be, for a moment, we're going to be reductionists and say we're chemical electric beings. Most of our medicine has focused on the chemical side. Now we're seeing a real growth in working on the electric side of that equation. And so that might be bringing in something like uh, frequency-specific microcurrent to affect in certain ways the electrical gradient. And that would be about trying to get the cell or tissue to do more of what we want and less of what we don't want. So I'll give an example, right? trying to make it a little less abstract. So let's say somebody was to do something like plastic surgery. That could happen, 
right? So what we know is when we when we cut the skin, we depolarize it electrically. And unless that, that tissue is repolarized, it will stay depolarized for the life of that person. And, and what does that mean is that the normal electrical field that moves through the skin and even the layers before that, but if we just kind of stay on the skin level, that that scars what we call as a noise generator it, because it's no longer participating in a normal electric fashion with the rest of the body. So it's a little bit like if you're in Best Buy and all the TVs are playing, but you've got one TV that's just kind of static and it's, mm -hmm. it's just kind of a loud static in the midst of everything else is on CNN, right? It, it, it just causes noise in the system. That's what a scar does. So on a, so on a simple level, if we use bioelectric medicine to repolarize that tissue, we take that interference pattern out of the electrical field of that body. That body just functions more optimally going forward. It doesn't have that noise generator in it. And, you, and how do you exactly do that? So let's say let's say there's somebody that's you know comes to your office and has a scar. And what is the actual exact mechanism of treatment? Yep. So in the example that I just gave, so let's say I'm working on somebody post-surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be as simple as I use two brass probes, kind of a positive and a negative, and apply a electro gel because skin is naturally electrically resistant. So we need something to get the current across the skin so it's comfortable for the patient. And then we just, you know, literally put a probe at the either end of the scar and run a current through that tissue. And in, in doing that, and it, maybe it takes like, it's a minute, it's a one minute treatment. We just are repolarizing the tissue, done, move on to whatever else. Now, can we do more? Absolutely, right? Because we can work anti-inflammatory, we can be antimicrobial, we can do, um, we can uh, do what's called collagen conversion, right? So when a scar is forming, there's a certain amount of scar tissue you need for that to heal optimally, right? So we don't wanna interfere with the scar tissue that is needed to knit that, that cut back together, but we don't want it to overgrow. We don't want any more scar tissue than the minimum necessary. So using certain frequencies within the microcurrent, we can remodel scars. We can minimize the amount of scarring that happens, how much type four collagen forms versus type two collagen so that we can we can try to optimize the amount of you know inelastic or minimally elastic scar tissue versus maximizing the amount of highly elastic type 1 type 2 collagen that is our slide and glide which is normal healthy tissue is made up of so we used to use different frequencies to affect those different functions as that wound is healing at different stages of the healing process very fascinating. And and how does this, have you been treating wounds like keloids at all? And is it effective? Because exactly what you're saying is how you would treat a keloid because you get, you get overgrowth of, you know, this inflammatory collagen that makes it run outside its boundaries and so forth, so on. So it sounds like it'd be the perfect kind of treatment for it. Yep. So our, my ideal is if, if I know a client of mine is going for surgery, I will a lot of my treatment is is at home. We do in clinic, but but much of this is portable devices you can do at home. So, That's great. 
typically what I would do is say to my client, oh, you're going for surgery next week. Great. Let's get you a device. I'm going to program it with your pre-surgical uh, protocols because we want to charge up the tissue and, and have that tissue going into the surgery in its, its bioelectrically most vital way that it can to optimize the outcome on the other side, right? So we want to charge up the tissue at least 24 hours before we send them into surgery. Then we have our post-surgery and post-surgery is in one hour after surgery. Like how soon can we get electrodes on, right? And it depends. Are they in a hospital? Are they out? I've had, I've had again, plastic surgery clients come to me right after their surgery and we start treatment right away. If they have it at home, I instruct them start right away. So we have our day one, then our day two, and then our day three, and then our week five protocols because they're doing different things because of the way wounds heal. We don't want to interfere with the body's natural process, but at the cert at the right time, we want to start to optimize or say, for example, in the case of a keloid, if you know a person has a tendency to form keloid scars, if, you, if they have a history and you can know that this is likely, we would start certain treatments earlier than we would in a healthy a person who typically scars well. And so some of that is kind of history, knowing the patient and, and, you know, those kinds of things. But basically that's what I do is they've got an at-home device that's slightly bigger than a smartphone. They're probably using like a sticky pad, like a TENS pad, although there's lots okay. of options. We have silver woven electrodes that you can put on the body, socks, gloves, knee braces, elbow braces, wrist braces. Um, wow. So there's many, many ways to deliver the current, but essentially they're going to put an electrode on, they're going to go to their device and they're going to say, you know, day one post-surgery start. And then the program just runs through the set of frequencies that we're doing, which might include protocols to remove anesthesia from tissue. Some great research done here at the University That's of great. Minnesota um, by one of the surgeons at the university showing um, both what happens, how adhesions form post-surgically and, and how frequency-specific microcurrent can affect that. But also what her research showed was the impact anesthesia has on how the body responds to the frequencies. So what we found through her work is if we don't clear the anesthesia, the, an the effect of the anesthesia in the tissue can minimize our adhesion redu reduction treatment. Oh, sure, because most of the local, even local anesthetics are depolarizing agents. And so that's, you know, that makes sense uh, because it blocks the body's ability to send charges and signals to the area. So, you know, um, I'm curious with this type of research, especially, listen, obviously we're biased for plastic surgery, but um, is there any research being done to show uh, that people heal faster or that scars look better or uh, treatment of scars or anything like that? Yeah, there, there is. There's a good amount of, of research in, in all of this. Um, I, I like to, when I do a presentation, I have a slide that I put up that shows um, the you know number of published articles in a given area. So if we take something like microcurrent stimulation, um, there's there's around 3.5 million research articles on that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it it's it's a lot, right? I mean the, the grounding. Same thing if, if we go to um, 
photobiomodulation or light therapy. Uh, we're going to find something in the neighborhood of just in the last uh, three years, there'll be about 13,000 articles. Uh, you know, so there's a, a mountain of evidence to support it. But yes, I mean, in, in, you know, I have my own experience. I have some up on my website where people can go and look at the difference between uh, scars, uh, healing uh, from surgery without microcurrent and with microcurrent. And, and what you see is not only do you see an increase in time, uh, you know, so it takes less time to heal. Like my clients, when they go back to their doctors, that they're roughly on about a six week ahead of schedule timeline in terms of their healing. Uh, but also the, the scar is less visible. It has less texture. And for some people, mostly women and mostly related to um, plastic surgery, but it could be C-section scar. Like many women, sure. you know, that C-section scar is a problem. But one of the biggest things is it, the scars don't typically tan. And, and so that's one of the places you see it. Um, a, a breast scar, if it comes up above the line of the bikini, can be concerning. And, and so one of the things we find is we can get that scar back to a kind of a normalized state so that it tans. And that is just one level further in terms of the person's comfort level with, you know, their, how their body looks. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about how you can kind of change the collagen production. It's in, there are many conditions that that have really bad scar fibrosis. One when I think about is Dupuytren contracture of the hand. Um, and as plastic surgeons, we've done a ton of hand surgery, so I bring this up and. Interestingly enough, I just saw somebody uh, that had it, and I said, wow, this is a tough one because the guy's a golfer, so forth, so on. Do you do that? Have you had success with that? Because it's a really tough condition to treat. It is. It is a really tough one. And I would say where I would position what I do is probably adjunctive to a surgical intervention. Now, uh, it depends, right? How far along, how extensive, like right. most everything, what I do is going to do better if we catch the person early. So have I had some clients who were headed in that direction? We caught it early. We were aggressive and we changed the course. Yes. The people That's who great. come in who are 10 years, 15 years into it, and they're like, oh, by the way, I have this massive knot of scar tissue in my hand and it's affecting me in these ways. Can you put microcurrent on it and make it better? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a miracle. Uh, yeah. It, it, exactly. It, it. It. There's. There's. There are for sure limitations to the level that we are at clinically. Again, so I say in the research, there's there's miracles being performed, but those are not available to uh, the healthcare consumer yet. Well, let's go back to, uh, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. Let's go back to, you know, listen, if the regenerative, regenerative capacity for a leg or a brain in an animal model, um, what do you do? You know, obviously we've been talking about scarring and scars and surgery. Um, what about those individuals who um, either have a, a post-traumatic brain injury, a history of substance abuse, um, emotional uh, issues such as depression or anxiety, where where can this uh, play a role? 
Sure, absolutely. So, um, and then I'll just throw into the mix um, dementia or our, our oh, yes, line of neurodegenerative conditions. And I say that in part because that's our biggest, you know, single patient population is is dementia. But definitely have a smattering of of for sure TBIs, whole host of mental health, anxiety, depression, OCD, um, uh, uh, learning disabilities. You know, so you know anything brain related. Um, mm-hmm. So you know our just in terms of like devices, we have a, a near infrared photobiomodulation helmet, and then we have an audiovisual entrainment device. Those are probably our two. Uh, top devices for going uh, after the brain and brain function. And so the way I kind of divide it up is light is mostly about physiology. And then when we use something like audiovisual entrainment, what we're doing is we're talking to the brain in the brain's language, which is brain wave. So delta, theta, alpha, beta, one, beta, two, beta, three, gamma, right? So the, the known brain waves. So audiovisual entrainment is going to be talking to the brain in those brain waves. So we're that I think of as brain function. So light is brain physiology, audiovisual entrainment is brain function. Now, if we talk about those long enough, we find out those aren't actually two different things, but it's just easier to, to break it up in this way. So um, if we talk about light on the brain, light does the same thing no matter where you put it. And light isn't addressing a disease, it's vitalizing the existing physiology, right? So just like plants photosynthesize through chlorophyll, humans photosynthesize through opsins and and other chromophores. So I find that most, like this is a challenging idea for most people to accept that (laughs) we use light every day that we're alive to drive our physiology. And it makes sense because people who lack it, especially those in the Midwest, undergo seasonal affective disorder because we lack sun for Mm -hmm. such a long period of time. Um, And so this is just an example of how that works and why light therapy was prescribed for those individuals and it it was successful. Right, and and of course our Midwest people who in the winter run up, you know, about 60% of the population is low on vitamin D because we need the UV rays of sun to stimulate our body into naturally producing vitamin D. So there's about 1400 chemicals that we produce because of sunlight. So we are photosynthesizing all the time. So one of the big ones is uh, mitochondrial activity. So you use red or near infrared light to stimulate mitochondrial activity. You get more ATP production, which is more energy. Uh, So that's great. A lot of research there that gets a lot of talk. Something that's emerging is is the understanding the role mitochondria play in cell to cell signaling, and I I think we're going to see that that's going to replace this idea of the mitochondria as the power plant of the cell. That it does that. That's true. We thought that was its main role, but it turns out really its main role is cell to cell signaling. It's an information processing uh, uh, unit. And we have you know, hundreds to thousands of them in every cell. And, and they're part of the communication network. And this is what we see in bioelectric medicine 
is understanding that the that the electrical activity is information just like the internet right it's it's electricity that is really information and what's important is not what the electricity nobody cares about the you know the ion that is making this circuit flip to positive in their router they care about whatever their google search is about <laughs> yeah of course about the information and so if we take something like cancer, for example, right, there's really good research coming out now out of the bioelectric medicine world to say that cancer is, is normal cells that have become electrically or informationally disconnected from the local network. Therefore, they revert back to being single cell organisms like an amoeba. The rest of the body becomes external environment and they return to their fundamental drive of seeking food and reproducing. That's a tumor, right? They high metabolic use and, and they produce much faster. So what they've been able to show is if you can, you can take normal tissue, artificially disconnect it from the local information flow and you will cause a tumor and that will continue on like a cancer, but you can take that tumor that you've created and reconnect it to the local information and those cells will go back to being a liver cell or a kidney cell or whatever they were before you disconnected them. And so this idea of cancer as nothing more than healthy cells that have lost the plot, they've been disconnected from the information flow. So it's a whole new way of looking at disease and we could, and certainly there are people having these conversations we could take a little bit of a look at our world right now. And, and if we think about what happens with disinformation and when a subset of the population gets a certain amount of disinformation, they start to act in a way that maybe- Social tumor. <laughs> yeah. That's very well said. Yeah. Is, you know, in, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, so 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 this idea of, of information then becomes like it's a radical new idea how to think about health or disease in the body. If we don't think about it merely as as biochemical issues and there's too much of this chemical and not enough of this chemical, and so we're gonna take this pill and put this pill in, so we increase this chemical. If we think of it as an information problem how do we then restore the information network so that the cells or the tissues or the organ get the proper information to do what they're supposed to do it's a whole different perspective and then you know take that and then go back to the brain where you kind of mentioned at the beginning the importance of the brain one of the reasons brain health is so important for us globally and you kind of included it in the idea of longevity is the brain is participating in every physiological function that is happening. It isn't always the main driver, but it's involved either primarily or tertiary down the line. But everything, if we think about our hormone regulation, our, our blood sugar regulation, our temperature regulation, our breathing, our heartbeat, All of it. you name it, right? Directly or indirectly. The, the, yep, the brain has a finger in that. And so if the brain is dysregulated, its ability to manage all of the trillions of cellular activities that have to happen 
start to degrade. Mm -hmm. All of those functions downstream start to degrade. Your kidneys don't work quite as well. Your digestive system doesn't work quite as well. You don't extract all of the nutrients that, that you could be extracting. You don't synthesize those. You don't absorb them. You don't put them to use. This is the process of aging, right? This, this multi-system gradual degeneration is aging. So one of the ways we can make a big change in that globally is by optimizing brain function. So the conductor of the orchestra is there conducting well. Yeah. I'll pause that. I, I was going to say, going along this same vein, then if we segue into combining, what are your thoughts on, uh, because supplements have been such a, 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 you know, a new craze over the last decade and, and more so with newer uh, uh, research that's being done. What are your thoughts on combining the nutraceuticals with bioelectric medicine to optimize as best we can. And, and maybe you can give us our thoughts on uh, your thoughts on, you know, some important cofactors that we may need. I know there's, you know, David Sinclair talks about NAD. We were talking about the, the powerhouse, the, the, the mTOR production of mitochondria. Um, if we recreate that electrical communication, shouldn't we be providing extra nutrients for those to uh, efficiently work? Yeah, great question. I, I get to ask this often. So uh, I'll give you my standard disclaimer and, and then some answers. Um, but, <laughs> I, you know, it just, it just should be said that I am, I am not uh, a functional medicine person. Mm -hmm. I, I have functional medicine doctors, uh, naturopaths, you know, the, 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 the profession that, you know, work within my clinic or that I collaborate with across clinics. And I really leave that to them because just like bioelectric medicine is a whole expertise, supplements and functional medicine is a whole expertise. And so although I know a little, I just know a little. And, and so I like to own that. Um, sure. So I will say that my sense of it is having watched this for 30 years, having watched, um, you know, multiple naturopathic doctors and functional medicine doctors, uh, you know, functional medicine nurse practitioners, you know, so the use of supplements at, at kind of peak levels, having watched that for decades, my net out is, yeah, there's got to be a better way. Uh, I, I have so many clients who have spent, you know, $1,000 a month for years and and at some point go like, like enough i'm getting off and and would just tell you straight up i don't i don't think this did a thing for me all of these supplements i don't think now that's not to say they never work absolutely they do but again any functional medicine doctor who lives and works in this space will tell you that it is an absolutely mind-numbing painstaking process to get the the supplement mix right to have the impact you want and, sure. and get the outcome you want using supplements as your primary tool. So it's the actual boots on the ground of it in healthcare, very challenging. Now mm -hmm. on the, on the, on YouTube, when somebody, you mentioned a name there, I'm, I, I won't say a name, <laughs> you know, says, Oh, take, 
you know, thymine, take whatever, it's going to change your life, you know, take NAC, it's going to be, it's, it's like, that's that, that's, you know, a version of Dr. Oz and the green bean, whatever, right? It's like, for somebody somewhere, yes, but for a general population to just go take the next trendy supplement, no, it's absolutely the wrong way to do it. And, and that's because like most people have no idea what supplement they they need in their system what am i low on what am i too high on what what does my system metabolize well what doesn't it metabolize well they just don't know so it, it it's just a a lottery right it, yes unless there you know now there's some emerging research on looking at um, some of the pharmacogenomics and it, you know, and, and this is obviously expensive testing and things like that. So it's not for everyone, but they there are some genetic uh, profile tests that will actually say, look, you would benefit from taking this, 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 and this. That's a different ball game. But you're right for the general public. You know, just a blanket statement doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. So so and so so this is great. I'm glad you said this because this is you know again one of the paths happens in my clinic. I've been watching this. For ever since genetic SNPs were a thing. And so here's the standard way. It's exactly what you said, is you do a genetic SNP, you say, oh, you have this profile, um, you don't metabolize vitamin D well, so we want you to supplement with vitamin D, right? Mm -hmm. Great, beautiful. Like we, sh we, should, we should know that and then take it so that everybody isn't just taking high doses of vitamin D because the internet said so, right? And with all of the other ones. So yeah, I 100%, this is a good way to go about it is do some blood tests, do some genetic testing, find out what you need and take that. That's the proper strategy. But um, I think to go with what you're saying, you know, kind of the next step, and this is, again, this, this is just starting to happen in the last couple of years where Companies that are doing the genetic SNP, they're looking at what's happening, what you're missing. But what I like about what's happening now versus what's been happening for the last 15 years is these new companies are working on an epigenetic level. It's take this supplement, not because you need to take vitamin D, so we're going to supplement it you, you with vitamin D or with vitamin B because you've got a, you know, a bent receptor. We're going to give you supplements that are going to optimize the genetic expression so that you do absorb vitamin D naturally so that you don't have to take vitamin D as a supplement. That's radically different than the last generation of genetic driven supplements. So this is now supplementation or nutraceuticals to actually change the expression of your genes. Whole new idea. This I'm very much in favor of because you're not just plugging holes, you're actually changing the thing that's causing the hole. Oh, and so there's a, there's, there's a number of companies out there, I'm gonna forget the first name that I wanna say in the moment, but the, another one is called um, Nutrigenomics. So it's, they're, yes. they're like SNP Nutrigenomics. Um, yes. I, I love what they're doing for two reasons. One, they have this epigenetic uh, take. Two, they really have made it an important principle of the company to keep their costs low. So you can do your genetic test for about $300 
and you can get your supplement that is a combination of maybe four or 500 nutraceuticals that is custom blended for you based on your SNP. And oh, you can get that for about $150 a month. And that is like, that's astounding. And for my clients who are spending 300, 400, 500, $600 a month on their supplements, you know, and they're maybe taking six supplements or 10 supplements and they're spending that much money to say, we're going to get you something either in a pill or a smoothie that is going to be four, five, 600. That's based on your genetics. This to me, this is a whole new world of kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, this I'm interested in the other stuff. Like I said, I, I'm not against it. I just didn't see the outcomes at a level that convinced me this was a, a path kind of everybody should go down. It, it was just still too hit and miss. Um, so, yes. so, so the question was like, and, and, and then can we combine them? Absolutely. So, uh, and I'll say a, a, a great place that this is happening is Dr. Bredesen's program, the Bredesen Protocol for Alzheimer's and dementia, but really any um, neurodegenerative disease, his model is, is a good thing to look at, but he's specifically working in that space. Um, he's looking at the, the nutraceuticals, uh, so supplements, diet, and then bioelectric medicine, all of those wrapped into a program to get the synergistic effect. And, and so I think he's doing a great job. I have a Bredesen clinic where, where we deploy this, but then I also have my other company, CerebroFit. And so the difference between the two is the Bredesen clinic were much heavier on diet, lifestyle, and supplements as the primary tools, because that's what Dr. Bredesen does. So we just follow okay. the protocol. Where bioelectric medicine is a little bit of like, oh yeah, and you might want to maybe. So low uptake of bioelectric medicine on the Bredesen side, typically. On the CerebroFit side, we just flipped it so that we front load with bioelectric medicine and we soft sell on the diet and supplement. And what I've seen between, so I have two clinics, two similar patient populations, just slightly different emphasis, our CerebroFit uh, clients on the whole are doing better than our Bredesen clients are doing. And that's because we have a 100% utilization of bioelectric medicine versus a smaller percentage of use of bioelectric medicine. And it's come clear to me that what's doing the heavy lifting in terms of changing the course of dementia is the bioelectric medicine. Like that, Absolutely. I just see that prove itself every day um, in our patient population where, where we've kind of got a control, uh, you know, within our own, uh, you know, clinical findings. This is, I mean, I mean, this is absolutely fantastic and, and uh, exciting things where uh, this is forefront of medicine. Um, where can our viewers and listeners find out more about you? If we said, all right, listen, we're interested in this, where, where would you send them? Cerebralfit.com. So just our website. So Cerebralfit, F-I-T.com. So on Cerebralfit, they'll find my phone number, my email address, so they can contact me directly. Uh, there's a, 
access to my schedule where they can book a consult. We offer a free 15-minute consult for anybody who'd like to sign up for that. Uh, happy to kind of talk through what's going Do you do virtuals as well? We do virtual. It's all virtual. So Cerebral Fit, oh, is, Cerebral Fit doesn't actually have a brick and mortar. It's 100% virtual. Um, Amazing. And mortar clinic for the Bhakti Brain Health and for the Minnesota Brain Health, which is our Bredesen protocol. But Cerebral Fit really came out of the idea of as, as clinicians, we were being limited by geography if we had to do the healthcare by seeing people in person. So Cerebral Fit's an entirely virtual, everything is at, at home treatment. Um, it's more cost effective. It's more uh, effective in terms of outcomes because people need these treatments really every day, not twice a week in the clinic. That That's not a, a workable model. It's like if you took your medication, your your um, blood pressure medication twice a week instead of every day, like it wouldn't do much for you, right? Um, Oh, this is fascinating. I'm I'm looking at your website right now. It's it's some of the devices are so cool. I mean, this is this is great for everyone who's listening. Yeah, they should, should they, you should definitely check it out because I feel like it's so it's it's an area that's so untapped and people are so unfamiliar with it um, that I think it could help out the masses. This is this is excellent. This is very cool. I listen. I know uh, we could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, I. I I definitely thank you so much. Uh, I've definitely been educated today. Uh, this is very ex exciting, especially, you know, we're looking at it from a longevity standpoint and um, using bioelectric medicine to help further that by preserving and regener potentially regenerating some of the aging processes. So, you know, I, I thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, hopefully all of our listeners and viewers uh, have learned something. Again, I definitely know. And, and I think we have to have you back on and talk to you about meditation because that's something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I think everyone's very much uh, into these days, especially where we are in California um, and in Los Angeles. So we might, you know, have to reschedule another one for 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 another session with you because this has been really insightful, and I thank you very much. I, I would love to to talk about the meditation, both just pure meditation, but also, you know, we incorporate some bioelectric medicine some biofeedback to help people meditate because one of the challenges is you don't really know what state you're in. And so if we can give people that little bit of feedback to say, mm -hmm. yes, you are, you are moving your brain state in the right direction, it expedites the, the process of meditation very much. You mentioned Joe Dispenza in the pre-conversation, and this is where he's leading, is his mm -hmm. use of neurofeedback to, to move people through the meditation learning curve much faster, shortening that process by 40 years. Um, I, I think he, he's a leader in the field, so I'd love to, to chat about that. Definitely. I look Amazing. forward to, to speaking to you again soon. Well, listen, Guy, uh, again, Guy Odishaw, a, a, an expert, cerebral fit, an expert in bioelectric medicine. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we, re, we definitely appreciate definitely. it. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much to all our listeners and viewers. Uh, once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can see us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or wherever you check things out. Spotify also. Have a great day. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.